Okay, so our part two in our series, Teach No Other Doctrine. So the point of this series we covered last week, but just go over it again, um, is to set a foundation of the fundamentals, right, of our faith. What we believe here, what we'll be teaching, uh, as far as like our core doctrine, what we'll be teaching from. Um, the word fundamental means forming a necessary base or core of central importance. Right, so what is the base or the core of what we believe here? What are these fundamental doctrines? Uh, a central primary rule or principle on which something is based, right? Um, so these are the doctrines where this church is based on, basically, is the purpose of this series. Um, the purpose is to learn from the scripture the doctrines that we need to establish, proclaim, stand upon, and defend. Um, being fundamental is not a bad thing, but that word has been given a bad rap. Uh, the word I was looking for last week was legalist, right? You have independent, fundamental, independent Baptist churches, a lot of them in the area, and so... Someone says, well, you're a fundamentalist. It's usually in a negative tone, right? Uh, being fundamental is not bad, uh, but you need to make sure the fundamentals are uh, backed up by Scripture, right? Um, it's not your opinion, right? Like, women shouldn't wear skirts because I'm a fundamental independent Baptist, right? Or you shouldn't go to the movies, right, because I'm a fundamental independent Baptist, right? So you have these legalistic things that come out of people who say they're fundamentalists, right? And so that word's often given a bad rap, but it's not a bad thing. Um, think about sports, people say, well, we're going to teach you the fundamentals first, right? That's the basics, the core. And you get down these things that you can grow and build upon them and become a better athlete, right? So you need to make sure you have the fundamentals if you want to grow in the doctrine of the scripture. Um, and so that's the purpose of this series. Um, the doctrines need to be based on the scripture, not man's opinion. Um, and then it should be doctrines that we find clearly taught and defended in scripture, we do not stand on an opinion from a single verse, right? So if we say we believe this doctrine, um, it shouldn't be like one verse that talks about this doctrine, right? It should be clearly taught throughout the scriptures. Um, you think about the uh, communion that the Catholics do where they say the bread and the cup actually turn into the bread and the blood of Jesus. Like it's his actual blood. It's his actual body when you eat it is what they teach. But this only comes from John 6. Like there's only one verse that even says something close to this. Right? And so they build a whole doctrine that they say you have to do this if you want to be saved off of this one passage. Right? That's not really a fundamental of the faith that there's only one passage that talks about it. It's the point there. Right? Um, so these are things that need to be clearly taught and defended in Scripture that we see here. Uh, so, of course, last week was the gospel. Uh, we saw that the gospel um, we find from Paul's epistles since he was the apostle of the Gentiles, given the mystery uh, of the dispensation of the grace of God. He talks about the gospel I taught was given to me by revelation, and that gospel is the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Right. So we looked at that last week. Uh, this week we're going to be talking about the Trinity. Uh, this is three in one, right? Three distinct persons that make up this one God. Right. This is known as the Trinity. Um, a lot of people say, right, the Trinity that word is not found in the Scripture. It's hard to explain. You can't really understand it. We shouldn't be teaching it. Right. It's not found in Scripture. Is what people say. Uh, yes, that word is not found, neither is like rapture, right? But yet we still see that principle taught in Scripture. And so you have this word that coins this doctrine that you find in Scripture. Um, and so I have a diagram there for your understanding, if you can interpret it. Um, but it's basically a triangle. You have God the Son. The Son is God, but the Son is not the Father. The Father is God, but the Father is not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God, but the Holy Spirit is not the Son. Right? So you have God in three persons is what that uh, is supposed to show there. Um, we'll cover a lot of these verses here that are here that show this. 
um, in the lesson today. So you find this doctrine is taught in Scripture. Um, it's actually taught throughout the Scripture. So last week when we talked about the gospel, uh, you have to rightly divide the gospel because you find more than one gospel in the Scripture, right? Um, the gospel we preach today is Christ's death and resurrection. Well, that didn't happen for all of the Old Testament, right? It didn't happen for Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John until the end. So you can't preach his death and resurrection for salvation when it hadn't happened yet, right? It was revealed after the fact to Paul. Um, we saw in Luke 9, I believe it was, where the 12 go and preach a gospel. And then in Luke 18, they did not understand the death and resurrection, right? It says Jesus told them, I'm going to go die so that I can resurrect. And they didn't understand it, so it was hid from them. So it's very obvious the 12 were preaching a gospel that was not the death and resurrection, right? So that shows there's more than one gospel in Scripture. You have to rightly divide that. This doctrine of the Trinity is not something you rightly divide, right? It's taught throughout all of Scripture. It's talking about who God is. Uh, in Malachi, he says, I am God, I change not, right? So God doesn't change. Um, what is interesting, though, is that you don't really see the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, those names given, until the New Testament, because that's when the Son is manifest in the flesh, right? So you have to then distinct, well, this is God the Son, and this is God the Father, right? Um, and you do see it uh, mentioned in the Old Testament, where like God came and revealed himself to Abraham. Well, that was uh, a Christophany, I think is what they call it. It's Christ in the, um, revealing himself in the Old Testament. Um, so you see that, uh, but it's not referred to as this is the Son. Right? That's in the New Testament because the Son has manifest himself in the flesh. Right? Um, so you have some better verses or clear verses maybe in the New Testament. But it's not something that you have to rightly divide. So let's look at some clear verses showing that these are three distinct persons in one God. If you go to Matthew 28, 19. Of course, this is the Great Commission. But Jesus says here in verse 19, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. So you have the three there in this one verse. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. So showing three that are this one God, right? Um, but it's interesting. He says, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Well, the name of God is not something that you are to blaspheme, right? It's only given to God himself. So if you're saying, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, and the Son and the Holy Ghost aren't God, well, what's significant about their name, right? Shouldn't we only baptize them in the name of God, right? Because his name is to be hallowed. Um, so just to show this, you go to Psalms 8, verse 1. So this doctrine is something that you find by reading the scripture and cross-referencing a lot of scripture. Psalms 8, 1, it says, O Lord, O Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens. Right, so it talks about how excellent is thy name, O Lord. So here in the Old Testament, right, the Lord's name is excellent. Psalms 148, verse 13. It says, let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is excellent. His glory is above the earth and heaven. So you see there, praise the name of the Lord, his name alone is excellent. So why in Matthew 28 does it say, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, if the Son and the Holy Ghost and the Father aren't all God, right? 
Because in the Old Testament, the Lord's name alone is excellent. Matthew 6, 9. Now this is the, what people call the Lord's Prayer. I call it the Disciples' Prayer because Jesus never sinned. And in this prayer, it talks about asking forgiveness of sin. And Jesus was teaching his disciples how to pray. Right? So it's not that Jesus uh, prays this prayer. The disciples pray the prayer. But it says in verse 9, After this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So here you have the Father's name. He says, hallowed be thy name. Talking about the Father. right? So this would say, well, if the Old Testament talks about the Lord's name alone is excellent, then Jesus says, hallowed be the Father's name. Well, the Father must be that Lord in the Old Testament. right? Um, hallowed has to do with reverence, right? Worship, right? Reverence your name, Father. Right? How excellent is thy name, Father? Uh, so you see that there in Matthew 6, 9. You go to Philippians 2. Verse 9 through 11. It says, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. So this is talking about Jesus Christ. It talks about his name being above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So here in this verse, you have Jesus', Jesus name being above all the names. Right, that uh, every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. So now you have Jesus' name who is being above all names. So do we hallow the Father's name or do we hallow Jesus' name? Right? Um, which name is more excellent? Because the Old Testament says, thy name alone is excellent. Right? Um, so you have, again, this uh, cross-references that you can make to show, well, Jesus is God, right? just like the Father is God. Both their names, being God, are excellent because they're one God, right? Ephesians one twenty one, similar to Philippians. It says, Far above all principality and power and might and dominion in every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. So again, this is a reference to Jesus uh, from verse 20, from Christ. It talks about his name is above every name that is named. Not only in this world, but in the world to come. So like when the new world comes that Jesus uh, creates, his name is going to be most excellent in that world too, right? So again, the name of Jesus being above every name that is named. Um, so again, how do you hallow the name of the Father, but also confess the name of Jesus and say your name is above every name if they're two distinct people or two different gods, right? They're two distinct persons of this one God, right? Um, so you see that uh, with the name of God, how you can show, well, Jesus is God, just like the Father is God, right? They're both God. If you go to 2 Corinthians 13, verse 14, so another verse that talks about the Father, Son, and the Spirit all in one verse, right? Showing that they're distinct, but they're all God. Paul says, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. Amen. So you have here the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Ghost. So again, you have the three, Jesus Christ, God, the Holy Ghost. Um, and of course, uh, this is also a cross-reference to Philippians 2.1, which is similar. It says, if there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, 
if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels of mercy. So here you have the consolation of Christ, the comfort of love. Uh, we saw in our Q&A, God is love, right, in First John uh, 4. And then you have the fellowship of the Spirit. Right, and of course, um, grace is Christ's work for us. Titus 3.7 talks about how Christ saved us by his grace. says that being justified by his grace, right, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So there in uh, Philippians 2.1, you have the grace of Jesus Christ, or in 2 Corinthians 13.14, the grace of the Lord Jesus. We are justified by his grace, right, by what he did on the cross for us. Uh, the love of the Father, well, God commended his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, right? So you think about the love of the Father, Right again, First John 4 talks about uh, God is love, right? And then the fellowship of the Spirit, or the communion of the Holy Ghost here, uh, well, that's uh, the Holy Spirit working in us. Ephesians 1.13 talks about we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. Um, 1 Corinthians 12.13, we are all baptized by one Spirit into Christ. So it's the Spirit that baptizes us into this one body that gives us this communion, this fellowship one with another in the body of Christ. So you see how you have uh, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship or communion of the Holy Ghost, right? Three distinct persons doing three distinct uh, things here, but they're all one God, right? So again, uh, this verse mentions all three, uh, showing they are distinct persons here, right? And I'll get to why that's important here in a little bit, because some people teach... Well, it's one God, and it's not three distinct persons. It's just God showing himself in different forms. Um, but that's not true, right? It's three distinct persons that make up one God. Uh, and then 1 John 5, 7, which may be the most clearest verse. But also a very controversial verse. It says, For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. So there's three in heaven that bear record, the Father, the Word, which of course we know from John 1, the Word is Jesus Christ, uh, and the Holy Ghost, these three are one. Right? It's a very clear statement, right? Three in heaven that bear record, uh, the Father, the Word, the Holy Ghost, these three are one. Uh, however, this is a controversial verse because it's not contained in other Bible versions. Right? They say it's not in the oldest manuscripts. Um, some people say it was a footnote in some of the manuscripts that they found, and they think that people just added it into the text, right? And so there's a controversy around this verse that, again, takes away a clear statement as to the Trinity, right? Um, and we'll deal with this probably later on in this uh, series. Um, but you have this, again, uh, three distinct persons in one God mentioned in these verses, right? They all mention the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, showing they're three distinct persons. Um, you see the Trinity in creation. So if you go to Genesis 1, verse 1 through 2. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. So very clearly, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. So here you have God creating the heaven and the earth. And you have the Spirit, right, moving upon the face of the water. So here you have God and the Spirit, right? So God creates, and then the Spirit moves upon the face of the waters. Colossians 1, verse 16, 
And you can hold your place there in Genesis. We'll come back. Colossians 1.16 says, For by him, speaking of Christ, uh, were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. All right, so Genesis 1 says, um, in the beginning, God created heaven and the earth. Colossians 1 tells us it was Christ there that was creating it, right? Powers, dominions, principalities, everything in heaven and earth were created by Christ, right? He is before all things, and all things by him consist. So you see that with creation, right? It speaks about the Trinity when you cross-reference Genesis 1 to the New Testament. that talks about Christ was the one that created everything. Uh, so making Christ God, right? Very clearly there. Genesis one twenty six says, God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So notice it says, let us. Well, us implies there's more than one person here, right? Who is God talking to? It could be the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, right? Hey, let us make man in our image, right? Um, so you have there, right, let us shows more than one in creation, right? God the Father, the Son, the Spirit, uh, all had a part in creation. Go to Deuteronomy 6, 4. So again, when you cross-reference the Old Testament to the New Testament, you can clearly see this doctrine of the Trinity. Deuteronomy 6.4 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. So the Bible teaches there is one God. Right? There's not multiple gods. There is one God. The Trinity is not that there are three gods. It's one God. There's three persons that make up this one God. Okay? Um, Deuteronomy 6.4 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord God is one Lord. Go to Mark 12, 29. Jesus quotes this verse in his ministry. It says, And Jesus answered him, The first of all commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. So he says this is the first of all commandments. Uh, the Lord our God is one Lord. 1 Corinthians 8, 4. Paul even teaches this. It says, As concerning, therefore, the eating of those things that are offered in sacrifice unto idols, we know that an idol is nothing in the world, and that there is none other God but one. Right, so in 1 Corinthians 8, he's dealing with meats that are offered to idols, and Jews are saying, hey, we can't eat this meat because it was offered to an idol. And the Gentiles are saying, hey, we're in liberty of Christ, we can eat this meat. Right? There's nothing wrong with the meat. Just because it's offered to an idol doesn't make the meat bad. So you had this argument. Uh, and Paul is actually siding with those who knew their liberty in Christ um, because he says that idol is nothing. Right? It's a piece of wood. Right? Something that man created. So yeah, eat the meat. Right? Because that idol is nothing. He says we know there is only one God. Right? Um, and then, of course, he goes on to deal with, but if that's a stumbling block for your brother, don't cause your brother to stumble. Right? So don't use your liberty to make a brother stumble here. Um, so that's what this passage is dealing with. But you have this teaching, right? There's only one God. The idol is nothing, right? There's only one God. Uh, so you see this taught throughout the Bible, right? There is one God. God is one Lord. 
But in this same passage of 1 Corinthians 8, you look at verse 6. He said, but to us, there is but one God, the Father. So Paul teaches the only God there is is the Father. But notice he says, of whom are all things, and we in him, and one Lord, Jesus Christ. But I thought God was one Lord. And so now you say there's God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So is it a God and a Lord, and there are two different gods? Or is it one God made up with at least two persons here in this verse, right? God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? So you see how you can make that connection. The Bible teaches there is one God, he is one Lord. Paul says here there is one God of whom are all things, uh, and we in him and one Lord Jesus Christ by whom are all things, and we by him. Jesus Christ and the Father are one God, right? They're two different persons, but they make up one God. So you see that there in this verse. Um, in 2 Corinthians 3.17, Paul says that the Lord is that spirit. So again, there's one Lord. We've already seen that God is referred to as the Lord. Jesus is referred to as the Lord. Here in 2 Corinthians uh, 3.17, he says, Now the Lord is that spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. So now the Spirit is the Lord. So again, is it three different lords, or is it all of these are the Lord? Right. So again, that's how you uh, find this doctrine throughout Scripture. It's not something that someone just made up. You have to look at these verses uh, and interpret them. All right. So there's three, uh, only one God taught in Scripture, but it's made up of these three different persons. Right. Because you see them referred to as this God throughout Scripture. Um, so those are some of the clear um, passages that you can find this doctrine called, right? Because you see that name mentioned in one verse. You see all three different names. And then you also see the teaching where there's only one God, right? So that means that these three have to make up this one God. Um, so why is this important? Well, because the scripture teaches it. Therefore, it's important, right? That's really all you need to know why this is important. Because the Bible teaches it, right? It should be enough. Um, but here's some other reasons. Um, if the Trinity is not true, then God is not our Savior, uh, just some righteous man or prophet, right? If Jesus isn't God, then God's not our Savior because Jesus is the Savior, right? And so again, some more cross-references here. 2 Samuel 22.3. So you really have to think about that. If the Trinity isn't true, then Jesus is not God, and then how can we have faith in him as our Savior, right? So it affects the doctrine of uh, your faith in Christ as your Savior. This is David. He says, The God of my rock, in him will I trust. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation, my high tower and my refuge, my Savior. Thou savest me from violence. So he says, right, the Lord, or, or the God, my rock, he is my Savior. So David says God is his Savior. Isaiah 45, verse 15 It says, Verily thou art God that hidest thyself, O God of Israel, the Savior. So God of Israel is the Savior. Verse 21, Tell ye and bring them near, yea, let them take counsel together. Who have declared this from ancient time, who have told it from that time, have not I the Lord? And there is no God else beside me, a just God and a Savior. There is none beside me. Right, so God says, There's none beside me. I'm a just God and a Savior. So again, this has a reference to there is only one God and he is Savior. Right? Hosea 13, 4. It 
says, Yet I am the Lord thy God from the land of Egypt. Thou shalt know no God but me, for there is no Savior beside me. All right, so he says, I'm your God, speaking to Israel. I saved you out of the land from Egypt. There is no God but me, for there is no Savior but me. So in other words, there is no other God that can save you, only me. Right? I'm your God, I'm the only one that can save you. Uh, you see this in the New Testament, that God is Savior, 1 Timothy 1.1. 1, 1. So again, the purpose of this series, the reason we're going through all these verses is to show it's not like there's just one verse that teaches this. Right? It's taught throughout the scripture. This is an important doctrine. 1 Timothy 1.1, 1, 1, it says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God our Savior and the Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope. So you have God our Savior and the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you just had this one verse, you could say, well, God the Savior is a different God than the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? God a Savior, just like the Old Testament says. And then you also have Jesus Christ, right? Because this verse says God is our Savior, not Jesus Christ is our Savior. But if you go to Titus 1, verse 4, Paul here says that Jesus Christ is our Savior. It says to Titus, my own son, after the common faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ our Savior. So he doesn't say God the Father our Savior and the Lord Jesus Christ in this verse. This verse, he says, God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. So he says the Lord Jesus Christ is our Savior in this verse. So again, you make these connections. Well, God is our Savior and the Lord Jesus Christ is our Savior because the Lord Jesus Christ is God, right? But in this verse, he says, God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. So you have the Son, who's our Savior, who's God. You have the Father, who's our Savior, who's God, right? Because they're both God, right? So you make that connection. Um, Titus 2.13 says, looking for that blessed hope in the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So nowhere in Scripture do you have God the Father showing himself appearing. It's always the Son appearing, right? And Jesus Christ appears. And so here it says the appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ is the great God that appears, and he's the Savior. All right, so again, another reference to Jesus Christ's deity, which is our verse here, right? The Son is the great God, right? And then you also have uh, 2 Peter 1.1. 1, 1. So again, this isn't just something that Paul teaches or that you have to rightly divide. It's taught throughout Scripture. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have attained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. All right, so you see that the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So even Peter says the Savior is Jesus Christ. All right. Um, so again, God is the Savior. There's no God beside him. He's the only one that can save. And then you see Jesus Christ says, I am that Savior, right? Because Jesus Christ is God. Um, the Lord comforts Zion. So you think about the comfort that we get from God. In the Old Testament, you have prophecies about God comforting uh, Israel, comforting Zion. In Isaiah 49, 13, says, Sing, O heavens, and be joyful, O earth, and break forth into singing, O mountains, for the Lord hath comforted his people and will have mercy upon his afflicted. So you have God, right, comforting his people. Isaiah 51, verse 3, says, For the Lord shall comfort Zion. He will comfort all her waste places, and he will make her wilderness like Eden, and her desert like the garden of the Lord, 
joy and gladness shall be found therein, thanksgiving and the voice of melody. So here you have the Lord shall comfort Zion. 52 verse 9. Break forth into joy, sing together, ye waste places of Jerusalem, for the Lord hath comforted his people, he hath redeemed Jerusalem. So what you find here is the Lord is comforter. Right? He is the comforter. He comforts his people Israel. He comforts the city Zion. But of course, in the New Testament, John 14, 26, and this is another clear verse that mentions all three of the Godhead in one verse. It says, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost. So again, the Old Testament says the Lord will comfort you. Here, Jesus says the comforter is the Holy Ghost. Was the Lord going to comfort us, or is the Holy Ghost going to comfort us? Well, it's both if the Holy Ghost is God, right? If the Holy Ghost is Lord. So again, you make that connection. The Holy Ghost is God. That's how the Lord comforts. Um, it says, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. So this is Jesus speaking, right? So you have the Son speaking. And then he says, The Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, the Father will send. So you have all three here. Uh, teaching. He will send in my name. So you have the Father sending the Holy Ghost through the name of Jesus. And Jesus is speaking these words. Right. So again, the Trinity, right? The Son, the Father, the Holy Spirit. Second uh, Corinthians 1, 3 through 4. It says, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort, who comfort us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. Right? So the God is the God of all comfort. Right? Um, and it says the Holy Ghost is the comforter. Right? Because the Holy Ghost is God. Right? So if the Trinity is not true, then Jesus is not God, and we are committing idolatry if we find completeness in Jesus. Because then we're finding completeness in someone other than God. Right, which would be idolatry. Um, Colossians 2, 8 through 9 teaches that we are complete in Christ. It says, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. Right, so we are complete in him, in Christ, right? And so if Christ is not God, then we're finding completeness in someone other than God. So again, you see why this doctrine is important, uh, the doctrine of the Trinity, right? The deity of Christ is important because we are complete in God, right? We are complete in Christ because Christ is God. If the Father, Son, and Spirit are three gods, then we are also committing idolatry, right? Because now we have three gods. Well, which one do we worship? Are they going to battle it out one day and that's the one that we worship if these are three different gods? Exodus 20, verse 3, of course, the, uh, the Ten Commandments, the law given by God, is thou shalt have no other gods beside me. So if the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost are all God, and it's not one God, which one do we worship? Would be the question. Which one is the God that we worship if there are three different gods? Exodus 23, thou shalt have no other gods uh, before me. So very clearly taught, no other gods before me. I am one God. You worship me alone, right? 
uh, Exodus 23, 13. And in all things that I have said unto you, be circumspect and make no mention of the name of other gods, neither let it be heard out of thy mouth. So don't even make mention of the name of other gods. Right? You shouldn't even think about worshiping them or bringing them into your nation. Well, we already talked about the name of the Son, right? Jesus Christ, hallowed be the Father's name. So if they're not the same God, then you're committing idolatry if you worship the wrong one, right? Is the point here. So again, that's why this doctrine is important. Else you're going to be confused and you're not going to make sense. You're going to be committing blasphemy and idolatry if you worship their own God. These are three different gods, right? Um, but they're not. They're all one God. Deuteronomy eleven sixteen. It says, take heed to yourselves that your heart be not deceived and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. So again, having to do with the law, don't be deceived. Don't turn aside and serve other gods. So again, if this is more than one God and you're serving Jesus Christ and he's not the Father and the Father is God, you're, again, serving another God. You've deceived yourself. Or if you say, well, I only worship the Father, but the scripture says that great God, our Savior, Jesus Christ, well, what if that's the God you're supposed to worship? Right? So again, you see where you'd be confused. Which one do I worship? Right? Well, they're all God. You worship this God who is made up of these three persons. Right? Um, so if you're worshiping Jesus, you're worshiping God. If you're worshiping the Father, you're worshiping God. They're the same person. Right? They're the same God. Different person, same God. Right? Um, 1 Corinthians 8, 4, we already read that, where Paul says, right, there is no other God but one. Right? So thou shalt have no other gods before me. There's no other gods but me. Don't be deceived lest you worship other gods. And then you find the Son is God, the Spirit is God, the Father is God. Right? So they can't be three different gods. It's one God made up of three distinct persons. Um, and then the Trinity also distinguishes God from other gods. So you have Allah, Buddha. These are one being, one entity. Right? Allah is one person. Right? But the God of the Bible is distinguished from them because he is made up of these three persons. Um, God did not create man because he needed someone to love him or he needed someone to love, right? And you may have heard that before. That's wrong, right? God created us so that he could have a relationship with someone. So what was God doing for all of eternity past before the last 6,000 years? Was he like just had some void and he's like, how do I figure out how to, how to have a relationship with someone? Like, was he trying to figure it out? Well, the answer is no, right? Because you had the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit for eternity past, Right? The Father could love the Son. The Son could love the Father. Right? The Father could love the Spirit. The Spirit could love the Father. Right? And you see this in the Scripture. John 14, 31. Jesus says, But that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, even so I do, arise, let us go hence. So he says, So that the world can know that I love the Father. So Jesus says he loves the Father. Right? Uh, John 15, 9, it says, As the Father have loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. So in the verse we read in John 14, 31, Jesus says, So that the world can know I love the Father. In this verse, he says, As the Father has loved me. So Jesus loves the Father, and the Father loves Jesus. Right? And then John 17, 24, he says, Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me, where I am, that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me, uh, for, the for, the for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. Right? So before the foundation of the world, the Father 
loved Jesus. So again, that shows that he wasn't looking for love back here because he didn't have it. Right? He says, um, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. Right? And so the son loves the father, the father loves the son, and it was before the foundation of the world. Right? So that shows you God wasn't like, I need to create someone so that I can love them or so they can love me because I have this void. And that's what distinguishes our God from other gods, right? He's complete in and of himself. He doesn't need something outside of himself to make himself complete. Right? That's why he's God, right? So again, you have that doctrine of the Trinity, and that's why it's important uh, to distinguish our God. So we find this doctrine right, clearly taught in Scripture. It's taught all throughout. You cross-reference many verses to show this, right? Um, so why should we defend it? Well, again, because the Scripture teaches it, and as the church, we are to be uh, the pillar and ground of the truth, it says in 1 Timothy 3.15, right? We are to teach the truth of the Word of God, and if this is taught in Scripture, and someone says, well, he's not really God, right? The Son's not God, or it's three different gods. Well, that's not what the Scripture teaches, right? It teaches one God, and it teaches that these three are that one God, right? But they're different. They're distinct, right? That's why they can love one another. That's why they can... Uh, complete different task. Uh, think about your salvation, uh, which I didn't have on here, but you think about your salvation. God the Father sent the Son who died on the cross for your sins and you're sealed by the Spirit. So again, you see the completeness there of all three in your salvation, right? All three had a part in your salvation. Um, so you see that as well, making it important to do with your salvation. Uh, but not defending this doctrine will lead to Arianism, which is Christ is not divine and was created by God. So people teach, well, Christ isn't really God. He was created by God, right? He's a creature of God. So if, again, if you don't hold to the doctrine of the Trinity, the three in one, you may go down the road of Arianism and you teach, well, actually, this is God and he has a spirit and he created this person, right? Which is not what the Bible teaches, as we've clearly seen, right? Christ is God. Uh, you might lead to subordinationism, which says, the Son and the Holy Spirit are actually inferior to the Father, right? The Father is God, and these are like many gods, but they're not as powerful as this God, right? Well, it says our great God in Titus 2.13 and Savior Jesus Christ, right? Jesus Christ is our great God. In Acts 5, 3 through 4, it talks about uh, Ananias and Sapphire. He says in verse 3, you've lied to the Holy Ghost, and then in verse 4, it says you haven't lied to man but to God. Well, if you lied to the Holy Ghost and says you didn't lie to man but to God, that makes the Holy Ghost God. Right, because that's who he lied to, right? So you have the Holy Ghost is God, right? But if you say subordinationism, you're making these two not God, right? Which is what subordinationism is. So again, if you reject the Trinity, you might fall to the uh, false teaching of subordinationism. Uh, you have adoptionism, which is another false teaching concerning Jesus. They say that he was uh, adopted as a man, and God adopted him as his son. And they say, you see, it, uh, it was either at his baptism, his resurrection, or his ascension. One of these three is when God adopted Jesus as his son. So again, he was just a man, but he lived perfectly. God put his spirit in him and adopted him as his son. All right, so again, that's a false teaching of Jesus Christ. Um, modelism, which is one God revealed in three different forms. So again, they say this is one God, but he reveals himself in different ways, which makes these not three distinct persons, which again, how can he love himself, right? He says, I love the Son, and the Son loved me, right? But they say, well, no, it's only one God, 
And when he's the son, he's not the father of the spirit. When he's the spirit, he's not the father of the son. When he's the father, he's not the son of the spirit. Right? He's just showing himself in these different forms. Right? Which, again, isn't what the scriptures teach. Right? It's three distinct persons. They exist at all times. Right? Um, or a tritheism, which is uh, the Trinity is three distinct gods. What the Bible teaches, there is only one God, there's none beside him, so it can't be that these are three gods that are equal in power, right? Um, so again, that's another false doctrine. Uh, and you have examples of this, actually, like about H2O, where people try to uh, make water, right? You have liquid, steam, and ice. Actually, that's more like modelism because all of these are one thing, water, and they can't be all three at the same time. It's either ice, steam, or liquid. Right? You can't have steam, ice, and liquid all at the same time. Right? This is what modelism teaches. Well, it's one God, but he manifests himself in different ways at different times. Right? So you have the Father, which is not the Spirit. The Spirit is not the Son. The Son is not the Father. But the Son is God, the Father is God, and the Spirit is God. Right? So one God but in three distinct persons. Does that make sense? A little bit. Um, and ultimately, um, it is hard to grasp because he's God. He's not us, right? There's no earthly. Right, there's nothing that can, yeah. well, this is exactly how God is, because he's God. There's nothing else beside him, right? That's what the scripture teaches. And so it is going to be hard to grasp exactly how this is. Right. And so, with that said, um, not defending this biblical doctrine, again, will lead to error. It will lead to heresy, um, and it will lead to uh, not biblically representing how God has revealed himself in Scripture. Right? You're going to go down one of these other paths of it's one God in three different forms, or it's three different gods. Right? Or it's God, and these two are just like supernatural beings, but they're not God. Right, which again is false. So, any thoughts or questions? <laughs>